and welcome to episode 16 of this Inspire 2020 Visionary Leader Chat Series. I'm delighted to be joined today by Ed Andrew. Ed, how are you? Uh, uh, very well indeed, thank you, Simon, and a great pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. It's great to be talking to you. So, so, you're, um, so, you're, so you operate through your own identity, Ed Andrew. You bring humanity to careers and life. You're a transformational coach. You've worked in dozens of countries with thousands of leaders. Uh, you're, you're host of uh, the Human Impact Podcast, author of The Golden Ticket to Your Dream Job. So you've done a lot of things. And I, we, we've spoken a couple of months ago, and I know mm. you've been through your own journey of enlightenment and awareness, which I think really equips somebody in your position to maximize the growth journey of others. So maybe if you could just talk for a few minutes, five minutes or so about your background, your life and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. And, and just before I do that, I just want to preface that. So, so you used Simon, the word enlightenment. And I was talking yesterday to, uh, well, I was listening back to a podcast. I was just editing of Mark Victor Hansen and Crystal Hansen. So yeah. for those who don't know Mark, he's the co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. He's had 59 consecutive number one bestsellers sold 500 million books. Okay. Yeah. This is fairly well known with Jack Canfield. Yeah. And we were talking about this, transcendent journey that people go on when they move through this transformational experience and some people rise with it as you're learning and um, they leave lots of people behind and their ego rises with it right yeah. um, because they feel that they're superior as they as they move through yeah and we were talking to this with with mark and crystal his wife and mark was saying well don't forget that buddha said on the day you're enlightened go and carry water and chop wood. And the day after you're enlightened, go and carry water and chop wood. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. So it's, we have to remain level-headed. It's the enlightenment or, or superiority doesn't exist because if the ego does, it trashes the, yeah. the, um, the journey. The wrong. But um, absolutely. The, the, um, and I know you understand that, I'm sure some of your audience, but I think it's very important as people go through transformation journeys, myself included, yeah. to recognize that all it is is a personal transformation, is that we are learning and growing and sometimes we can accelerate our learning, but there's always a time to come back and reflect on that. And my own journey really in some respects was quite late in life in that I was well into my 20s before I recognized that there was probably something more... Um, magnificent than just a human species on this planet but i didn't really know what it was i certainly wasn't religious i was brought up in a i went to an english boarding school from the age of six where you had to go to church every day so religion really wasn't appealing to me but yeah. clearly when you look up at the night sky there's something a great deal more than than we are of greater significance but it took me a while to really grasp that and it wasn't really until i was diagnosed with cancer nearly nine years ago and i was always been on a quest that really shook me up mentally and it wasn't a very you know it's a cancer which I was, if i was lucky i could probably get away with dying with um, which is prostate cancer but it's not a particularly good cancer yeah but it's a slow one and that sort of and i just closed the tech company which had cost me a million dollars um and you know it wasn't a particularly great six months yeah you have to as i learned in order to open yourself up to this transformational journey, you have to let go of everything. You have to let go of your ego. You have to let go of all your attachments, all your thoughts, all the processes to everything in order to have some yeah. and accept every choice that you've made. Yeah. And then learn. And basically, you bring yourself back to the state of nothingness and then you can grow. Yeah. And, I, and I've, been, no I've, I've been there. I've been through a recovery journey. And I remember that exact 
I've never heard anybody say it that way. I remember when I got to such a rock bottom that all the noise actually went quiet. And mm-hmm. I, I, had, I was worrying about nothing. I noticed very little apart, but, but then eventually the next things I heard was the birds and the waves breaking against the, the coast. This was down in, in, in West Australia. And so I went through that point as well. That was really profound when you said that. It is profound and it's something which I keep with me. So if I'm in the car, I have no, no noise. So I might listen to a podcast but I never turn the radio on. I don't turn, I rarely will turn me as I might listen to some mantras or some chanting or something which is spiritual and very gentle. And I prefer to be in a place of silence most of the time. A bit hard to pull off when I've got children, which I do and a wife, yeah. but, but that um, silence to me is one of the beauties of transformational work as well, of coaching. Yeah. And well, you know, this is about leadership, but being able to get yourself into a place where your mind is silent, where you're not in this co- chaotic, incoherent space, but actually we're near a time of reflection. Yeah. That's the time we do our, our most brilliant work. Unless you're someone like Thomas Edison who can actually drop themselves into a state of theta brainwave in order to come up with inventions. But that's a very deliberate strategic action you have to learn. But otherwise this reflective stillness allows us to be intuitive. And if we don't allow that intuition in, because men in particular always believe that our value is from our head upwards and the rest of us is irrelevant. And so we use our, this logic brain of ours for every decision we make, every bit of strategy, but we've, we've turned off one of the core components of being an animal, a human being, a species, which is being sentient. Yeah. So that is something that I teach over and over and over again, is we have to reconnect with that sentient feeling being self, not because it's woo-woo, not because it's weak and not because it's vulnerable, but because it is. Yeah. That shows our humanity. If you don't have that, you're not really a human being anymore. You're a robot. Absolutely. So you, so you went through, so you went through that journey, and so then, so you've you, you found this this new level of awareness, self awareness, which mm. is critically important. And I've been through that journey, and I've been amazed. You know, you're this is number sixteen in the series, and the vast majority of leaders I've spoken to, you know, just you know, about four or five global gurus in there to a greater or less extent, they've all been through their journey of self-awareness. So I do think there is a common thread with leaders. Um, so then you've moved into this whole, so, so how did your career then develop after, after that period, after that period of enlightenment? Well, the first 42 years of my career was, I was a barrister, then I became a headhunter. I came to Australia 20 years ago to sell a headhunting business for myself. I did that around the world, had a business in India, and I sold that 10 years ago. Yeah. As the world was, and I was very interested in technology and, and, yeah. and building and creating, and that led into a tech company, which didn't work. Um, just was the wrong time and probably just the wrong idea at the wrong time. You know, it's one of those things. Yeah. What everybody wanted, what our clients wanted, but no one wanted to pay for it. That was the biggest problem. And then I started a lot of coaching and consulting to startups uh, in the technology space because I'd done it. I put, and I'd had a successful business. I'd sold it. I grew it to eight figures, you know, seven figure profits. I'd I'd had skin in the game. And I did a lot of startup coaching and I've done that for a while. And and I was reflecting, I think two and a half, three, three years ago on what am I, the first thing I did is I wrote down on a piece of paper, all the money that I've made in the last 20 years. And I looked at what sector was that in yeah. compared to everything that I've done, you know, coach, consult, mentor, you know, 
billion dollar businesses to one-to-one -one stuff. And all the money I'd made was really, 90% of it was based on one-to-one -one work. Yep. But I didn't like the majority of the work that I'd done. <laughs> right? your, your, In the your, sense your, of- Your ego was pushing against it, maybe. Well, I think it was good, clean, honest work, but I no longer felt driven to do that or yeah. driven to do it in the same way. Yeah. Um, in the sense that I invest a lot of energy and time into everyone I work with. And if they're not on the same frequency or their mindset is around listening, but never taking any action or not really taking your advice, I really don't see that as something which is beneficial to me or to them. Yeah. So it came down to what are the things which I'm really good at that I enjoy still doing? And that's the one-to-one -one stuff. So what I do now is really a combination of personal development and professional development, some technical yeah. skills. So if you, so the transformational work that I do goes to the fundamentals of everything I've learned in business over the last 25 years um, strategically, but also goes back to that um, spiritual quest of what is it like to be a human being? So, the, yeah. you know, I was working with someone today earlier who is a, um, Trying just to finish their apprenticeship to be a diesel mechanic, a car mechanic. And, you know, they're a bit of a struggle. And it suddenly came out that actually they didn't want to do this anymore. What they really wanted to do was to work with people, but they didn't know what they meant. And then we opened up the layers and revealed the background and the history and everything else. And that's a beautiful moment when somebody the penny drops but then there's a process and i was explaining that as you and i both know simon yeah psychiatrists psychologists psychotherapists are there for a reason they're professional clinicians i'm not a clinician i'm not a therapist i'm a cognitive behavioral coach which means i work on dialogue but i also work on the sentient basis yeah and i was explaining to him that you know there's a medical side to this transformational coaching and then there's the cognitive side or there's the hard base side yeah and it, there are so many different elements you can go and study psychology or psychotherapy or psychiatry or you can do what i do which is based on you know coaching fifteen thousand people yeah. over a very long period of time but it comes down to what is it that you enjoy doing that you want to continue doing that you either want to teach someone else or learn something more about now that's this very simple element there's a complex process we go through to get to find out what that is yeah and even now i am withdrawing from some areas that i coach that i don't find as meaningful as the transformation work so i still do a lot of work with founders but i only have two or three clients because yeah. i only work with people who are really interested in progressing themselves and their business yeah I only do personal one-to-one -one coaching with people who, with a few people who really want to do that. Otherwise I do training programs. Yeah. And I think that's, it's still an evolutionary process as to yeah. find what we really want to do and then how we can serve someone with that. I, it's, it's fascinating because, you know, we connected a couple of months ago and in that period, uh, I've gone through a very, very similar process in the last, since Christmas, I've gone through a huge self process, right? And, and this lockdown over here, 12 weeks, I've just locked myself away and I've reflected and reflected and reflected and self-reflected. And I've read probably about a dozen books from, um, you know, Viktor Frankl's book to Buddha's brain to probably 15 books. And I've also then thought about my own business and where it's going and who I am and what I've done in my life, a bit like you, right. And what mm. I really enjoy doing. And it boiled down to about three weeks ago, I thought, 
I'm what I do is all about growth, right? And it might sound very wishy-washy, but that's what I love. I love helping leaders and organizations with then there are four aspects. So it sounds a bit greedy. <laughs> I love mm. business growth, leadership growth, mindset growth, and brand growth. I love all aspects of it. And also, I have to be honest to myself because for me, they're all very much intertwined. So then, so this whole area of growth. And then I thought, well, a bit like you, I need to have a catchy, memorable way for people to recognize Simon Haig. So I thought, came up with various taglines, growth guru, growth expert, growth mm. strategist. And then I canvassed it to about 20 people, 10 men and 10 women. And 80%, it was really enlightening. 80% came back and said, we love growth strategist. And mm. I, I would never have thought that you would have had such a definitive sect landing for one term. Right. And so it's all a learning process. It's all a learning process. And, you know, we were saying before that, you know, Marshall Goldsmith talks about, you know, setting sail, setting direction, but not being attached to the outcomes and the most successful people do that. I think I was reading, it was, it was in, I think the Victor, Victor Frankl book, and he was talking about, you know, you need to set your direction, but just let go of the outcomes. Right. And you hear it and you hear it, but now I'm really starting to believe that is this, that is a primary solution. And we, do you agree with that? Yeah. It's one of the, um, in the coaching that I do, it's one of the key elements to this. And actually, in my world anyway, it comes from a, um, a, a Buddhist tradition. And I, the, the practice which I like most is Tibetan Buddhism, but, but you know, it's, there are plenty of them. Yeah. And this practice has come from thousands of years of coaching. It's not new to me and it's not new to another coach. It's been passed down for generations, yeah. available to everyone. Um, and it comes from the, th the three main obstacles that human beings face, which is attachment, aversion, and ignorance, which is lack of knowledge. Yeah. And it's something I had to go through. So when you go through a period of loss, whether it's financial loss, personal loss, emotional loss, yep. physical loss, um, loss of a relative or a loved one, we're grieving and human beings grieve. But yep. what we're grieving for is the attachment to what it was. So in as a transformational coach, it could be yep. the life someone had before something impacted them. Yeah. So they're grieving for that. But if we have less attachment exactly. to things, it is easier for us. And so one of the principles I teach is something called the four pillars of expectation, which is based on control, communication, knowledge, and trust as so measurable. Yeah. When we look at that, we look at what's the probability of a likely outcome when you factor in those four pillars. Yeah. And so expectation and perception are inextricably linked to two of the biggest obstacles that we as human beings face. It doesn't matter whether you're a leader yeah. and people will say, Ed, how can you coach a fortune hundred CEO and a car mechanic? Yeah. What's the commonality in all of them? Yeah. They're human beings. They have ego. They all have feelings and they have different strategies as to what they want to do with their lives. But ultimately they are still generally all high performing, high achieving um, human beings that all have these similar traits that they need to unwind. Yeah. So I think to me, um, to answer your question, Simon, it is critically important to be able to let go and to also Absolutely. It is. in this Buddhist, it is in this Buddhist tradition, they teach the principle of equanimity, which is you let something arise so that it gets to a point where it no longer hurts you. You no longer need to pull it in or let it go. It just sits there and it yeah. just exists. Yeah. It's not easy. Uh, <laughs> right. No, I and it takes I, a lot of practice. <laughs> I battled this for years. I'm in a 12 step program. I have been for nearly 15 years and 
one of the key tenets of they talk about it in recovery is that fear of economic economic insecurity will leave us right mm. if we if we really are willing open-minded and honest about our recovery and our the wonderful things that come to us right that fear will leave us and for about 14 of those 15 years honestly i didn't believe that right i didn't believe it and the last year i'm 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 kind of forcing myself i initially i forced myself to sit back and watch life unfold now it's unfolding and you know, I was in senior executive positions for for years, earning multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, a salary, and I was always fearful of losing it, terrified, mm -hmm. fearful every day of losing what I had. Whereas today, occasionally there are moments of pangs of gut feeling. Oh my God, where's the next bit of cash coming in? But today, I've handed it over, and there hasn't been a month where money hasn't come in. So th th that fear, that fear is is just it's just a self torment, isn't it? It is self-taught and it, it's one of the easy visualization techniques to work out where this sits with you is to imagine, and it's a very old, but very well-known, somewhat cliched visualization, but it does work if you understand it, which is you imagine yourself lying in the middle of a river. Now, if you can sit in that river on your back, floating on your back and it's carrying you and you're not fighting against it. Yeah right and you're in the middle of that river and it's taking you where you need to go then you're not trying to create something and fight against something which is happening to you you're actually allowing the universe to be as it is today yeah you're not trying yeah. to battle against it the more you feel yourself struggling and swimming and swimming and swimming hard against it yeah there are times when sometimes you might need to take a few um paddles quickly yeah. to extricate yourself from something but yeah. otherwise if you allow it to flow that's the time when abundance is coming to you. That doesn't mean you're sitting at your desk, never having made a phone call, yeah. just waiting for something to happen. That doesn't happen. You've got to put in the effort and whether that's physical effort or whether that's an energetic yeah. effort or a combination of both, you've got to do that. But when yeah. you get to a point where, you know, a lot of uh, athletes talk about the flow state or the peak performance state is because you're in a place that you've created for yourself in a perfect timing yep. that everything works together. But as mm -hmm. soon as you try and work against this, rather like if you're walking down the street on the way to work or the way to wherever you're going, and suddenly you find everybody is closing in on you and you're trying to move left and someone moves right or someone stops in front of you, just one of those chaotic days yep. where nothing is going. You have to have the presence to stand back and say, okay, well, this is happening. Something's yeah. going on. You know, you can look at it more deeply, but yeah. if you don't have to, yeah. I need to withdraw myself from this and just let it happen. Yep. Absolutely. And then when you get to where you're going, life is easier. But if you're battling every element of that, it becomes incredibly draining. And ultimately, we trip ourselves up. And again, it's the same in 12-step programs. They talk about surrendering, surrendering to recover from addiction. Mm. Right? And in early days, you think, that can't be right because I need to get a grips. Um, but it's not, but conversely, it's not about just giving up and lying on your back and having your belly rubbed and doing nothing. That's not what <laughs> surrender means. It means you've got to put the work in. It means you have to put the work in to give away your ego to allow a, a power greater than you to guide you. That's what it means. Yeah, but nobody, absolutely. either nobody tells you that in the early days, but probably more realistic, no, you're not ready to listen to that. So it's a fascinating journey. It's a fascinating journey. <laughs> and I think that's a very good point, Simon, is to... to and someone was explaining this to me a few years ago and I was having a conversation and someone was really 
butting heads about the conversation. And this person who I didn't know very well, he said, Ed, you have to remember, not everyone's ready for the conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not everyone's ready to hear your message. However passionate you are about your message is the best things to say silent. If someone wants to ask, they will. Yeah. But that again is, is, a, is a, you have to learn that process. And the thing is, I say you have to learn it. We Westerners probably have to learn it more. There are people yeah. far more, um, far more learned than me who never even have to work at this. They just breathe it in naturally every day. And I think that's part of letting go of the ego as well as knowing that we do have to work hard on this because we've yeah. created so many obstacles to unwind, but there's some people who just breathe in and out and, there it is for them. I know it's, it's, it's incredible. The different, the different types of, so in terms of leadership, so just moving on a little bit. So what are you seeing? You know, you've written the book or we'll get back to the book first author of golden ticket to your dream job. Tell, mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about what, what's that, what that book is getting at. Um, the book is, it's based on, um, you know, 20 years in the field, but I, I wrote the book because so many clients said, Ed, can you explain to me how I meant to work through the process of finding a job or working with headhunters or recruiters, whatever, because it's a very complex space. And I thought, okay, well, it's not the first book I wanted to write. Um, that was more of a, uh, of a, of a, of a omission book, um, transformational book. I thought so many people have asked, so, so I wrote it, but I wrote it as a reference book, as a guide, and I've put lots of stories in there yeah, yeah. and case studies, and the stories help them understand that this is not a technical book. It's yeah. a reference guide built with humanity. So yeah. the last chapter is called Work Is Not Life. It's like whatever you're searching for, whatever your goal is, I can teach you how to get it. That's fine. Yeah. But you've got to remember, why are we doing this? Yeah. Otherwise, it's just blinkers on, head down, here we go, with no thought as to what's the destination going to look like when Absolutely. I get there. So one of the most powerful tools we know is visualization of what, what, is, what does it look like? What is it that you're searching for? What yeah. does it feel like? Who's, yeah. who's with you? What can you touch? And so the book is a, is a reference guide. It is technical. Yeah. But it's also helping people, I hope, understand that you know, be careful what you're searching for. Be careful what you want. Is this something that you really want? Or is this something that your brain is telling you that you need? Or your so, ego. Yeah. Or your ego. I know. Sorry, Simon. No, I was just going to say, it's interesting because I've been there. Like I, I strove all my life. You know, I was a commercial or private practice lawyer, then a commercial lawyer. Then I had this bee in my bonnet that I wanted to become a CEO. And I, I eventually did become a CEO of an American company in Australia. Um, and then... And then I was asked to move on because the company was moving on and it really hit my core hard, right? I, I, was, I was 45 at the time when that particular position came to an end and, and I went through a bit of a second midlife crisis and I had a mentor at the time and, and he said to me, and you're, you'll really identify with this, he said, Simon, really spend a bit of time and reflect, why did you take that job in the first place? Mm -hmm. right? Because it was, it was being a head of an indigenous business, working with indigenous companies in Australia. So very worthy. And he said, was it through worthiness? Was it through some altruistic you know, thought process? Or was, it, was there a bit of ego there? And when I really reflected, overall, it was probably ego. How cool am I getting this cool job? And I always wanted to get there. And he said, you know, if you were attaching yourself to the ego, don't be surprised if it does come to an end, you know, and, mm. and, and he was right. He was right. You know, I, I know that in my gut. So did you cover that kind of stuff about, because, because I think there's a lot of people who chase a, 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 an ex, a self-imposed expectation pathway, which just isn't the right path for their soul. 
you cover that stuff? Well, yes, that's why uh, I developed this this concept of the four pillars of expectation okay. to help them understand that it well, it, as we understand, everything in life is impermanent, right? The the universe is eight to a, was it fifteen two point two billion years old, but it came from nothing, and eventually, whatever happens will will end. The nature changes every single day. Yeah. So once we understand this state of impermanence that we're in. Right. Once you really grasp it, you don't have to grasp it at a deeply spiritual level. We just have to understand it logically that it exists. Accept it. Then accept that it exists. Mm -hmm. So yes, ego is, I mean, ego is good as well. We are our own self. Self is, you know, there are three selves. And, and the one that we're talking about, which is the one which is when you're in your incoherent state is not helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. But the first lesson in any transformational coaching is accountability which is accepting that everything that has happened in my life is a result mainly of my choices and decisions and reactions. Yeah. That's ego. If you can't overcome the very first hurdle, you're not then ready for the transformational journey that you want for, that you hope for and that you want, because ultimately it always comes back to, well, it's not my fault. It's someone else's fault. And if yeah. you're in that state, you're not going to open yourself up to the transformational work that needs to be done. So the very first lesson, and this is not about blame either. This is not about blaming yourself. It's not about blaming anyone else. It's just being okay. Yeah. That's what equanimity is. Being okay with the fact that this is where it is. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And as you know, that's it's hard to surrender that ego to that process. Yeah, but once you do, I tell you, it just takes so much weight off your shoulders. It really does. You know, you sleep better at night and you stop struggling about the things that when you used to struggle seemed so big and important. And then you realize they're really not that, you know, I had a period when I arrived back from Australia three and a half years ago and I was every morning for about nine months, I was worried that letters would come through the letterbox because I had a failed business in Australia. Every morning I worried about it, you know, and mm. nothing ever came, nothing ever came. <laughs> so what a waste well, of know, nine months. Most of our fears, I mean, I put fears into two categories um, or rattle off red flags into two categories. There's the, the ones which are real, which will knock your head off or end your life or yep. just, you know, destroy your business, which you really need to pay, out, pay attention to. Yeah. And there are the ones which are really based on tend to be past events or something which we predict exactly. may happen or anticipate may happen. And it's amazing how many people trip themselves up every day based on an event which hasn't happened for a long time. Exactly. Maybe happened in their childhood, maybe happened five years ago, or maybe wasn't as big as they thought it was, but to them yeah. it's this huge event. And if I keep on this path, it's going to happen again. And yeah, it's, that, it's not reality. Yeah. It's, not it's reality, reality in, in, in its perception but ultimately they haven't happened. And the more we work with people to understand all these things, which they predict and anticipate and plan for, yeah. which is the fear, which is the reason they don't do things that they haven't happened and they're not hurting them. Then we can move through that Absolutely. to understand that um, what they're looking to confront may be painful, yeah. but actually isn't hurting them in any other capacity. In other words, it's, it's not hurting them tangibly. It's preventing them, but it's obviously not causing damage. Uh, this conversation's flown by, and I don't have time for half of the questions I, I was thinking about, but uh, you, you sum it up perfectly, because I've been through this journey you've spoken about over the last two to three years, and you, you have a really good way of summarizing these points. And I know that. I'm not just saying that because I know this subject, right? And you summarize it really well. And so just, just to conclude, 
if you were going to whisper two or three words of helpful, soothing advice or wisdom to a, to a future leader, right, of any industry, to really set them up for six, as much success as they can get within the realms of reality, what two or three things would you love, through the prism of love, to, to, to whisper to them? Um, well, the first one is speak less and listen more. Um, and the second one would be be kind to yourself first and then to others. And if you abide by those two simple principles, now there are others, which is always ask questions, ask questions of the questions, never assume that anything you're told is right or wrong. Always have that startup mentality of test, iterate, learn, test, iterate, learn, constantly go through that process. But if you're listening and not talking, if you're having a conversation or the dialogue, if your principle is to be kind to other people, I think it sets the stage for whatever success you can create. There's no guarantee. There's no crystal ball that your idea is going to pay off. There's no guarantee. Even Jeff Bezos says, you know, we're already planning for Amazon no longer to be here anymore. And he's nearly worth a trillion dollars because he knows it will end one. Everything moves on. Everything moves on. But the principle, if you look after your people, if you're kind to them and you listen to them and you're prepared, and my father taught me this lesson, um, not technically, but just from watching him, which is I remember he would go into a shop or he'd talk to someone who came to the property to, you know, mend a fence or deliver something or whatever it was. And he would speak to them with as much kindness and and probably spend longer talking to them than he would, you know, and he was a CEO and chairman of a bank than yeah. he would to everyone else. But he had that simple quality of being kind to everyone. In fact, even being even more kind to the people who most yeah. other people don't pay attention to. And I think if you have that quality as a leader yeah. and you have an open heart as a leader, leaders need to, uh, as I say this often, leaders need to think less and feel more. Yeah. I think we'll end on that. That's perfect. So, Ed, how do people connect with you or find out more about your work? Um, very simply, best way of finding me is edandrew.com, and you can find my podcast, Human Impact with Ed Andrew, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, your favorite um, podcast channel, LinkedIn, and it's probably the place you'll find me most on social media, though. So, um, uh, I have a community on Facebook and Instagram as well. So, wherever you prefer to hang out, I would be very happy to talk to you. That's great. It's been wonderful talking to you. I've really, it's been quite a profound conversation for me. And as I said, you have a real good skill of articulating the key point in a, you know, a solid, no nonsense, steady and soothing way. So people should just definitely check out your work. Thanks. Thanks, Ed. My pleasure, Simon. Thank you so much. And thank you for for letting me in to be part of your journey as well. That's very kind of you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you.